proceeding with al-mu'awwizatan which we dealt with the first mu'awwiza the first surah given that rather interesting designation of al-mu'awwiza the protector or al-muqashqasha And as you know that there are two surahs, two surahs, Surah Al-Falaq, Qul A'udhu Rabbi Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Nas, Qul A'udhu Rabbi Al-Nas, which have the position of Al-Mu'awwizatan, or, or have this designation. And the similarity in structure, balance, and language between the two surahs is quite noticeable. And in the sources, they are often addressed as a couple, as a pair, which is rather interesting because of the fact that while Qul Falak, we have a report that, it, one of the reports that it is a Medinian surah, there is really nothing about, uh, there is nothing similar to that as to Qul Rabbin Nas. Likewise, if you recall the Qul Rabbil Falaq, there is this whole report about the Prophet being bewitched by a Jewish fellow and that Qul Falaq is revealed in, the, in that context, there is no such report as a reason for transmission or reason for revelation rather, an occasion for revelation about Qul Nas. But yet the two surahs are a pair. They should work as a pair. One would think that they must be revealed more or less for the same occasion, because of the same occasion, and more or less around the same time. Why is it that Qul Auzub Rabbil Falaq is the one that has a, a discourse about the reason for its revelation and a discourse about the time of its revelation? Excuse me, while Qul A'udhu Rabbin Nas doesn't. I think that this rather interesting point of minutia lends support to the idea that the report that the Prophet was bewitched is rather, is, is largely fantastical and fabricated. That Qul Auzub Rabbil Falaq, as you recall, talks about what to the ignorant and simple-minded would seem to be mysterious and sort of eerie cult type of issues. It talks about those who blow onto beads or those who blow into the knots 
and it talks about mysterious things such as the evils that spread at the light. I mean, you could understand it in that fashion. It talks about the the envy of the envious. I mean, if you are, if you have a certain mentality, if you have a certain orientation, if you already you are looking in the Quran for the fantastic and the fantastical. If you are looking for sort of the eerie, ghostly type of themes, Qul Falak lends itself to that. But as we saw when we talked about it last week, that in fact it is a it's a far more sophisticated and complex surah than than one would think. It is not just simply talking about evils lurking in the night and evil uh, sorcerers blowing into beads and etc etc but it is rather a surah that addresses the very nature of evil and the very process by which evil spreads and evil takes hold quite separate and apart from the occult type of issues of, of bewitching and sorcerers and etc etc now if in fact the prophet was bewitched and was revealed in response to the prophet being bewitched you would also find these reports say was revealed in the same occasion I mean, if they are a pair, if these two surahs are called Mu'awwizatan or Mu'qashqishatan and they are a pair, then both would have been reported to have been revealed at the same occasion for revelation. But the reason they're not is because Qul falak lends itself to the type of occulty type of story that the Prophet is bewitched. In other words, Qul falak lends itself well to a fantastical story about the Prophet being bewitched, while Qul nas is far less exciting, far less mysterious and occult nature than Qul falak And then you would expect that in popular discourses, it would not be given sort of the mysterious aura. In other words, it would be forgotten, it would be dropped, and not mentioned when one talks about occasions or revelations in the context of addressing the bewitching of the Prophet. In other words, it leads me to believe that the story of the bewitching of the Prophet, wedding it to Qur'an while omitting Qul Nas is a cultural artifact that has to do with entertaining cultural inventions, much more than with any actual reporting of historical events. But I would want to see a reason why Qul Falak would have an occasion, which is the bewitching of the Prophet, which seems to be part of the pair, doesn't seem to have an occasion of revelation. 
It is not that Qul Azub Nas is mentioned with its own occasions of revelation. There is nothing mentioned at all about the occasion of revelation for Qul Azub Nas. While Qul Azub Falak has an occasion of revelation, and that's the story of the bewitching. What I'm simply saying is, that makes me, I'm not saying it's conclusive evidence, all I'm saying is that it makes me suspect that the bewitching, the story of the bewitching of the Prophet is entirely invented in the context of Qul Azub Rabbil Falak because Qul Azub Rabbil Falak itself fits this type of occult discourse. I think they are linked, and I think that they are linked by the meaning, and I think that they are linked by the meaning and would probably, if I would guess, I would probably suspect that they were both revealed at the same time, in the same occasion. And I think that it has nothing to do with the bewitching of the Prophet. Anyway, I mean, so Qul Azim Rabbin Nas, Qul Azim Rabbin Falak, already talked in the structure of the two surahs, linguistically, grammatically, even in, in the rhythmic structure of it. Qul Azim Rabbin Falak, Min Sharri Ma Khalaq, Qul Azim Rabbin Nas, Malik Nas, Ilahi Nas. If you correlate it, they nearly have the exact same music. And this plays an enormous enormous role for me. I mean, even a grammatical analysis, if you ask Abud about it, you find that the grammatical analysis comes very close in, in both situations. And uh, it's rare to find in the Quran any two surahs that come so close, either in grammar or style or language. And I think it's quite clear that these were meant to be here. Even in our own reports of prayer and so on, in which they're read together. And we know that culturally, I mean, a lot of the, the reports about the Prophet is that he would read either before he goes to bed or before certain prayers or before certain trips, etc., etc. And generally, wrap up the whole dynamic with Allah and the whole dynamic in fact with society. If you truly think about it, if you take قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ قُلْ عَذْرَ بِالنَّاسِ قُلْ عَذْرَ بِالْفَلَقُ قُلْ عَذْرَ بِالنَّاسِ and you fully absorb them, you pretty much took all you need in terms of how to define your interaction with Allah and how to define your relationship to Allah. All the rest is merely the explanatory and is merely and elaborations. But th that this is the core right there. And you can analyze it and you, you'll see that that holds true consistently throughout. And even in popular culture, I mean, in, in, I, I don't know, in religious cultures, they're often read together. Okay. Hold on to Rabbi Nas. Then start out very much in the same fashion as Qul A'udhu Rabbi Falak. I seek refuge. Say, I seek refuge. The command to seek refuge. 
But then the identification of, of, of Allah in three different levels. Three different levels. Rabbi Nas. What does Rabb mean? The caretaker. The caretaker, the upbringer of people. Maliki Nas. And we saw Maliki in, in, in where, where before? In Fatha. And what does Maliki Nas mean? It is more like the owner, here the relationship between God and humans, while Rabb connotes a, a special close relationship of caretaking. As we said before, Rabb, like Murabbi, means to raise someone. Murabbiya means a woman who raises. And educated. And so when, as we said earlier, that Rabb al-Nas connotes a, an intimate, close relationship of the ter- caretaker, Maliki nas is more formal and distant, but yet connotes power to Allah. Power to that who owns, that who possesses. It is not the intimate, sort of intimate, private relationship that would that you find permeate the concept of Rabb, but a more detached, nearly legalistic official relationship that would permeate the concept of Malik. I mean distance and, and power more than anything. Sort of their, their right in the sense of their owner. The one who actually has a claim of right over them. Now note here, Ilahinas Ilahinas then is even a step beyond that. And here is the the Ma'budinas. Ma'bud is the one who is what? Worshipped. So it is as if it gives you several facets of your relationship with Allah. One is that caretaker. A, a, a personal, caring, private relationship that is neither distant nor just arm's length nor official. But there is another aspect to your relationship. And that is the legalistic, the official, the technical in which Allah is a boss. And it culminates in this overall encompassing overwhelming relationship in which Allah is the God worshipped. In which, in which basically subsumes and overtakes all relationships. To, show, to give you a sense of what I'm talking about, you can call someone other than God Rabbi Nas. You, technically, you can. You can say linguistically, this person is Rabbin Nas. Rabbin Nas means he takes care of people. You can say someone else, Maliki Nas. Someone else is an owner of the people. I mean, if, if, if someone comes and enslaves um, all human beings, that human being becomes Maliki Nas. 
But ilahiness cannot be shared with any other human being. It means ilahiness means the divine, the deity of people. And unless human being, if human being is going to manage to become a deity, to rise above his or her humanity, well, they cannot become an ilah, lidness, a god. Now, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَدِ Here are the three categories in قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ The three categories in قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Remember, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ وَمِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَدِ And then we start getting into the actions, the behavior of human beings. And what is the behavior of human beings? Three categories of evil, and then two categories of actions, of evil activity. Actions, the product of the categories of evil. So, if you, if you look at the translation, Okay, the first thing, I seek refuge from the Lord of. Then after that, we'll, talk, we'll correlate them as These are categories of people. Then the two verses that follow, from those who breathe into the knots and those who envy. You're not talking about categories of evil anymore, you're talking about what? actions or, or, or what people actually do. Now, if you notice here, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ قُلْ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا خَلَقِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ مِنْ شَرِّ غَاسِقٍ إِذَا وَقَبِ إِلَهِ النَّاسِ What is the connection between these three and these three? And if you look at it, you find that it's quite fascinating. What is the falaq? We said it is this moment, decisive, unpredictable moment that occurs. Well, in the relationship of caretaker, Rabbinas, it is through the blessing and the mercy of Allah that you could be given this decisive moment. Remember we talked about this, deci this decisive moment, this gift of either guidance or in, when you are dealing with someone as a Rabb, as a caretaker, your interaction is primarily go governed and guided by moments of pure emotional enlightenment. Not by rules, not by laws. Not if, if you think that you are going to be the caretaker of your children or the caretaker of your spouse by laying down the line and what the laws and the rules are, then you've got another thing coming. It is these moments of enlightened discovery that are the product of an interactive personal relationship or an interactive interactive subjectivity. A subjective process 
of interacting with reality that allows you moments in which you jump from one state to another, which we talked about last time. Here is the relationship of the caretaker. This is what's going to allow you that moment of fala, if it comes. Or, alternatively, if the fala is to the negative, in other words, you're going to, to, to descend into, into destruction. Well, it is again the individual interactive relationship which will put you in such a situation. In other words, if you live in a veil of ignorance and you truly desire knowledge and there comes a moment in time which you feel that finally you see it. This, this, is, this is very much like the, the story of those who worship for, for years and years. And then finally comes this moment where they experience true tranquility, true bliss. The, more, the decisive moment by which you migrate spiritually or intellectually, from one state to the other. That is not a product of a rational, causal relationship. It, it requires an interactive relationship of Rabbi Nas. Do you know when you hear about these moments when people snap? They snap. And they go off and they kill everyone they see. I mean, they're tittering on the brinks of evil until there comes this moment where, boom, it's gone. That, again, requires this dynamic of individual interactive relationship. Perhaps God is holding you away from that moment, out of God's pure mercy. And finally, God gives up on you. Finally, God is fed up and drops, lets you go to the fate you deserve, or whatever it is. This, by the way, is deeply philosophical. You can write hundreds of pages on it. Because if you talk about falaq as a separation between evil and good, you'll actually discover that evil and good is separated only through God's interactive, caretaking relationship with the universe. And then we get into these discussions about, well, is there any prior law that separates evil from good? Or is it God's active process of constant creation and promotion of good? I mean, I don't want to get into this because it's extremely complicated, but it's something like this. Can we say darkness exists and is an objective entity, and lightness exists as an objective entity? Or can we say that God literally keeps shining light upon darkness to keep darkness away? Well, if God has to keep shining the light, sort of God stands there with a flashlight, decimating or fighting the darkness, fighting the darkness away then this requires a relationship of interactive caretaking. 
And so the, 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 the promoter, the creator of the fala between dark and light is that caretaker, that rub. Because if he deals with it as a matter of law, as a matter of malik, as a king, what type of king would stand there with a flashlight fighting the dark away? It goes into all types of complexities. But at the level that I think is appropriate here is the essential point, the correlation between Qul Falaq and Qul now, note the correlation here. Rabbil Nas. Now here, Malik Ibn Nas, sorry. Min sharri ma khalaq. Now, the evil that is going to be created by his creator. The evil that's going to be perpetuated by those that God created. In what sense does it overstep the bound? In what sense is it not authorized? That's one. And in what sense will it be held to account? It is through the relationship of Malikinness. As the owner. Because the owner is going to define to you while, while, the, while the caretaking interactive relationship is going to is going as an act of, of 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 beyond causality, as an act of exception, permeate your life with the points of fala, the decisive points of distinction. That's what fala means. What is going to define right and wrong? For the created, and what is going to hold the created accountable is Malikin Nafs, the owner of the right in the first place. And because the first, the first ayah, the first correlation of ayahs, doesn't really talk about morality. It talks about, about beyond causality, and that's not necessarily morality. It is simply the notion that what is God's role? Does God sort of create laws? Uh, God creates laws and then creates creation and then lets them do whatever they want and just sits back. The idea is no. These has clearly point to an anti-deist view of God, that God is interactive, and that God's interaction creates the point of fala. Rabb al Falaq, Rabbin Nas. But Allah Murati is something else. Okay. Finally, Yusharri Ghasakin Iza Waqab. And Ilahin Nas. Now that's quite fascinating. Ghasak Iza Waqab, we said, is the wrath that spreads. What is the greatest source of undermining the Uluviya, undermining the deity of God? If God is as a matter of a right, being interactive, being in a 
in, in, a, in a merciful relationship and as a matter of ownership is entitled to be worshipped, what is the single source of danger for the establishment of an Ubudiya, the establishment of this relationship of, const, of, of absolute surrender to the deity. It is not the conscious decision to deny God's existence, but the ghasib is awakab, the crawling, insidious, often unnoticed death of God in, to use a better word, in our own hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying? The greatest danger to Ilahi Nafs, the idea, what, what is the idea of Ilahi Nafs? The one entitled to, to, to worship, Ubudiyya, to submission. Okay. It's insidious, it's crawling. It is, when we gave the example of the rotting of the heart that takes place internally without even you noticing. What greater danger to God's status as Ilahinas than that? You see the point? When we talked about and we talked about envy and we said what was the original sin? I said, well, you know, it was at least the devil when he was envious of Adam and second when his son was envious of his brother. Adam, Adam's son was envious of his brother. And what is fascinating is that this whole notion, these whole two surahs, tap into the story of creation quite consistently, without ever mentioning the story of creation. Even the devil, having God right there before his eyes, as God, the, the important thing is that you, you notice the correlation between the first three verses of Qul'a'udhu Rabbil Farah and the first three verses from Qul'a'udhu Rabbil Nas. 